0: My name is Emily Harris, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Emerald Football Podcast. I am Jack Butler, joined by Maverick Palak. Hi. And Sean Meadow. How's it going? Good. We are reporters for the Daily Emerald. We cover the football team, and that's exactly what we are here to talk about today. We'll go over the storylines of pretty much the first two games of Bowling Green and Portland State, talk a little bit about what to expect in that San Jose State game, and I figure we'll just uh, jump right into it, into the storylines from what we've seen in the first two games, two blowouts, uh, which is to be expected given just the really you know, even Mario Cristobal admitted personnel differences and talent difference between the two teams, but I don't know about you guys, but to me, the only real big storylines uh, in terms of personnel is just the running back position. We've seen senior Tony Brooks James as kind of the guy, but behind him, probably right behind him, C.J. Verdell, but then, you know, four or five guys competing for spots in, the, in a rotation, and Ideally, they probably want to trim that down to three, but right now it's, you know, Tony, CJ Verdell, and then Travis Dye, Cyrus Hibibi Likio, Darian Felix, and then like Taj Griffin are all trying to fight for their depth chart lives as we get into the San Jose State game. And I'd imagine they'll probably trim that down as Stanford comes to town next week. But to me, I think the big storyline is what they're going to do there and see if Tony Brooks James can even win it even more and get more carries than he already has so far.
2: Yeah, I think Tony Brooks James is one of those players who you know what you're going to get out of him, and that's a lot of speed. You can also see the ability of a player like C.J. Verdell, who kind of has that Royce Freeman type of feel to him. I know Maverick over here, he wrote a cover story for Game Day last week on him. And he's one of those players who is now a redshirt freshman. He's had that experience of learning from last season as when he was a true freshman during his redshirt year. And now he's putting that into the field of play. I think that's a really invaluable year that he had last year to learn and when you have a player like tony brooks james in front of you that's also time to learn so this is kind of that transition year but you still have that carryover at least in tony brooks james where he had a lot of carries last season as i guess you could say he was oregon's number two last year in between he was in between can benoit three he had the the second
1: most carries behind freeman and yeah benoit had fewer carries mav do you think tony brooks james is an every down back
0: Well, I mean, I think in in this offense he is, and maybe in the SEC he wouldn't be an every down back, but in the Pac-12 I think he has the capability to be the every down back, and then C.J. Verdell's the future starting running back, but right now the president's all that really matters, and Tony Brooks-James is the guy, and I I do agree with the – Sort of the Royce Freeman role but he, uh, for C.J. Verdell, but he is not the same physical presence that Royce Freeman was. Royce Freeman was a 30-year-old grown man as a 17-year-old. Like You you yeah. could not bring him down. Verdell is powerful. He's probably top two most powerful runner on the team, whether it's him or Cyrus Habibi, nice. Luke Keogh. And But uh, Tony Burks James, I think, is the best playmaker in the running back position, and I think that's what they are looking for at this moment.
1: Yeah, I think essentially Cyrus, we talked about Cyrus in power. I think he sort of carved himself a role as the goal line back or the, you know, third and one. And that's what Cani started end. off with, right? And that's a role you want. Like if you know, even if you don't get any touches, <laughs> Cyrus might be getting some touchdowns this season, even though he, you know you might not see him up until they get right into the goal line. But yeah, I, I think CJ is probably like the thickest in most of them but but you know I mean in terms of looking at running backs I mean Tony Brooks James isn't that big Travis Dye isn't that big I mean Darian Felix isn't that big and I mean Darian Felix didn't get any touches in that Portland State game so I think that that's kind of a sign that he might be slowly out but then he did well against Bowling Green so I don't really know what to make of his role this year and then Taj Griffin not that big so I kind of see CJ Verdell as the guy probably the most stereotypical every down back in this in his role just given that he's probably I don't know what their weights are off the top of my head but he's probably the thickest and can probably take most of the beating in between the tackles and that's what something Oregon running backs coach Jim Mastro said is that he really wants them to stay in between the tackles and he seemed to indicate that in years prior you know they were maybe not instructed but let you know they let him bounce outside uh, which occasionally meant some tackles for loss. But it seems like Jim Mastro said, no, like let's keep it in between the tackles. And I think C.J. Verdell is the best guy for that. Yeah, well, um,
0: based on weight, I would say Verdell, 5'9", 201, oh, pro- or Cyrus, who's 6'1", 210. But yeah. surprisingly, Travis Dye is almost 200 pounds. He's at 197 at really? 5'8". That I don't see when I see him in person. <laughs> yeah. But who knows
2: with the, the heights and weights of these players. I'm just curious what, like, Jim Mastro going into fall camp was thinking with this unit versus what he now has after fall camp when you get into the game situations, because that's something that you know it's going to change probably your perception of these players when you come into fall camp, especially the ones that, like, are young, the the freshmen and the redshirt freshmen. So I'm just curious what, what he would think about when it comes to the players versus now the reality of it. So that, to me at least, is one of those storylines that yeah. isn't, that big of a deal but at the same time when you have this much depth you can throw so many so many different types of running backs at a defense you can really test the waters throughout the first quarter and then figure out what's working for you
1: yeah and that's essentially what they've done and that's what they'll have another opportunity to do against San Jose State since they should run away with it like all the others they should essentially be able to without any doing any harm be able to just to rotate guys in and out and I mean, to me, if Darian Felix doesn't get any touches again, then we can officially cut him out of this unit in terms of what, what we're going to see this year. But I don't know. I, I think I think CJ is that every down guy that they should go to. I think he and CJ, Tony Brooks James should kind of split the carries and make Cyrus that power back. But Travis Dye did have that 50-yard touchdown run, and he looked pretty. He looked way faster than I thought he'd be. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, but.
0: We'll also remember Oregon had that drive right before the end of the half uh, with I don't know like a minute a little bit more than a minute left and Travis Dye was the guy on every single or every single play and they were obviously throwing most of those plays but Travis was the guy they went to it wasn't Tony it wasn't Taj it was Travis Dye so they trust him in pass blocking and pass catching situations and I think that will bode well for him but with the rotation I think they're still trying to figure out the rotation mostly because how many guys were hurt up in fall camp i remember cj verdell missed sometime in fall camp there was a lot of different injuries i think tony bricks james and Taj griffin were the only two that stayed healthy the whole time
1: yeah i look i mean mastro put it you know the right way and that this is a good problem to have yeah and it is and especially it's a very good problem to have if someone gets hurt because you have you know you still have four or five guys you might be able to call on that you know aren't going to necessarily like be negatives right like they're all talented in their own way and I think that they can all be and all are right now you know average to slightly above average running backs but it's just sort of trying to figure out who's going to jump ahead of who uh at this moment in time but yeah like you said you know if one of them gets hurt I mean we saw last year Tony Brooks James got hurt for a little while and I I think he got hurt Royce, Royce
0: was hurt too yeah
1: I mean Royce got hurt a little bit like running backs you know you get dinged up quite easily
0: obviously it's
1: uh you know and we'll remember
0: at the cal game it was darian felix was the only one really healthy
1: yeah exactly so maybe we'll see him again and when everybody goes down hopefully it's bound to happen but yeah well i mean one of them will probably get dinged up at some point just naturally given the nature of the position so i mean we'll see again like a, a good problem to have but at the same time you you want to have a guy that gets sort of in rhythm like who's hot and they'll at the end of the day they'll ride Who's hot, right? If they come in and they're rotating Tony Brooks, James, C.J. Travis, um, you know that's probably their top three rotation. Cyrus, like we said, is probably a situational guy. Um, but between Tony, C.J. and Travis, they'll probably just rotate whoever's hot in that given game, and you know certainly isn't anything wrong with that. So we'll see we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, I I think the only other real storyline that popped up after. They smacked Portland State. It's just sort of the lack of competition that they've played so far. I don't know about you, but I've had a hard time evaluating what this team is and who they are because there is such a talent gap. And even if they aren't playing their best, they should still win by a lot. So I'm having trouble evaluating exactly what to think. I'm sure the team's having trouble play. evaluating it. So where, where do you think this, this team stands right now? Is Are they playing where you expected, what they, what they should be doing, or are we – is it just impossible to tell?
0: I thought they played a perfect game against Portland State besides two plays. And one was the trick play where it was all pretty much second and third stringers, yeah. young defensive players on that plays, uh, where Charlie Tamapo, I think was his name. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. we'll hear his name on Sundays, but I mean, he's uh, one of the top tight ends, I'd say. Uh, but that play, and then they had another long play where Brady Breeze lost coverage on the same guy, uh, Tom Apeo. And other than that, I think that they they played pretty dang good on offense. Herbert got hit maybe one more time than they would like, and I thought defense, they were pretty strong without knowing who the quarterback would be before the game.
2: I, I think that Portland State game was better than the opener against Bowling Green. Now, if the San Jose State can be an improvement on that, then... That's progression, but that's the only way you can judge them is if they're getting better, they're making less drops, the receivers, if the running backs are getting more positive runs, if Herbert's completion rate is going up. It's that type of thing, I think, on offense, and then defense is just more three and out stops. Yeah. and It's just the little things like that, that's the only thing you can really judge this team on, but again, it's the, the competition. When they play right. against Bryce Love, it's going to be a different story for the defensive line. It's going to be a different story when they're going up against NFL-like receivers when they play against Pac-12 teams. Like, the difference in, in quality is what's going to hurt them early on right now, at least in non-conference, but when they get into that conference play, then, then the real test comes. And I don't even know if Stanford is that first real test because... They are. But is it is it... <laughs> it's a test to see if they're the top, but I'm saying, is that the test for them that makes the difference and all? Wait, what? wait, Yeah, like, yeah. Can, like, can you clarify what you mean? Yeah, so what I'm trying to get at here is just the test to see if Oregon can hang with a top, top team. That's Stanford. But then Oregon's expectations is not college football playoff I right think now. that's what their expectations are until you lose a game.
1: I, I thought their preseason expectation would be Pac-12 champs. Yeah. I mean, I know... I think Dark if you're horse, ranked okay. in the top okay.
0: 25 and you're a Power 5 school, you should expect to... Or you should want to win your conference. And I think
1: because they don't play USC... That's a boost in their schedule. And then they, I mean, who else do they miss? They miss Colorado. Colorado looks decent. But, you know, they have a favorable schedule with Stanford and Washington at home. Yeah, their uh, may- toughest Maybe road Arizona, game is Arizona Utah. State at home. I mean, they just beat Michigan
0: State. We'll see if they can keep that up. But they won't. They won't. <laughs> but, like, you don't trust Herm? No, I trust Herm with my life now after that game because I said if they if Herm won one game I, I would trust Herm with my life and so I do, but I don't I don't think Arizona State will be working. So so are these three non conference or
1: not bad non conference, non power five teams, is this detrimental or or is this a positive? Like is this a positive in that they get three games to work out the Kinks? I mean, or is I this think or is this a negative because you know, not only is everybody outside of Maybe Oregon State. Who knows? Maybe Arizona. Jeez, they've looked terrible. But you know, is everybody outside of Oregon State's better than these three in the Pac-12 is better than these three teams? And or is it good or bad? Are are, is it, are they going to roll into Stanford game and just be like, you know, such a drastic difference in the talent that it's going to be a negative, or is it positive because they have worked out the kinks for three games?
0: I think it's perfect for Oregon that they're playing three lesser teams at the beginning because I think they needed that undefeated start to the season to help get people back into it after a couple lesser seasons the last couple years, yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, Washington, on the other hand, has had very successful seasons the last couple years, so they could have in Auburn to start off the season and go risky. But now with that loss, they pretty much have to go undefeated the rest of the season to have a prayer of the playoff. And yeah, we'll see how Auburn does, but... Yeah, no, but, like, I mean, just having a loss seems to hurt Uh, two losses. I mean, we haven't seen a two-loss team yet make the playoff. Auburn was almost the first one last year. Yeah. And so I think that Washington had the luxury to do that, but I think Oregon needed an undefeated start in order to get people – Back excited. Uh, obviously, there's the odds and Faithful, but I think uh, at the end of last season sure, yeah. in the student section, I mean, it was. I mean, still the student section isn't filling up, but at the end of last season, yeah, school hasn't started yet. Yeah, it was empty.
1: Yes, we are assuming Oregon needs San Jose State uh, because they
2: really should. And if they don't, that's actually quite quite alarming. Quite would they lose deal. game day against Stanford if that's coming? If they lost San Jose State, yeah, like that would that would totally end it. I, yeah, you would think
0: if they lost to San Jose State, yeah, yeah they wouldn't they can't lose to San Jose State if they want to make a bowl game at all because if you're that bad yeah. San, from what okay, I've heard okay. San Jose State is really bad.
2: And I don't know cuz I haven't watched them so I shouldn't like
0: no. be doing that, but they, I, lost, well, they, lost, they lost to the US,
2: FCS side UC Davis. No? Yeah, yeah they so UC Davis. which Davis plays Stanford this weekend. Yeah,
0: yes. so if they lose
1: to San they, Jose Bryce State, then the Stanford
2: is bad. but I mean they should kill them anyway.
1: Yeah, what, what, what do we expect from this game? What do I expect from this game? I want to see the defense hold them to single digits. They, haven't, they didn't hold Portland State to single digits, and they didn't hold Bowling Green to single digits. And this is a defense that's supposed to make huge jumps in year two, like Colorado did, although I don't see that same jump because there were a lot of seniors on that Colorado defense. There are not a lot of seniors on this Oregon defense, which, you know, down the road... Looks really good, but right now we you know we don't know we haven't like I you know it all kind of circles back to what we've been talking about this whole time, but it's really for me it's really quite hard to evaluate this defense just because they've gone against two pretty poor offenses I mean we know Bar- Bowling Green came out and actually scored points on them kind of right away, but they seem to just sort of that might have been a lack of focus kind of thing, but then pretty much completely shut out Portland State for the most part, but Portland State still got two touchdowns on them so i i I want to see this defense ideally but up a zero, but, you know, I mean, that's hard. A lot of, you know, that's really hard to do. So I want to see single digits. That, that will go a long way in showing that this defense has made some improvements from years before. When was the last Oregon shutout? Uh, Arizona? Yeah, what year? What year was that? 20? 20...
2: 13? 2012. That Damn. was pretty good. That was good, Jack. Uh, 49-0. Well, San Jose State was shut out by last, Washington State last week. San Jose State didn't score against Wazoo. 31-0. So Oregon should I be think, possible because I think the Oregon be able that Oregon defense should
1: be better than Washington State defense,
2: but we'll see. We'll see what that amounts to. Okay, so you went with defense. I'll say Justin Herbert finding his receivers. There's been a lot of drop passes early on. I think, I think the receivers. He's finding the receivers. Just the drops. At least the players not dropping them. Like something, something really. Big on Justin Herbert's stat line would look really nice to give him that boost before a game like Stanford. Just the receivers to have the confidence as well, because they're going to have to be big against Stanford. So just that kind of big game for yeah. the, the the passing game for Oregon. Run up
1: the stats, run up the Heisman stats while you are facing easy competition, so that if things yeah. get a little tougher in the Pac-12, he's got a
0: very large cushion. I mean that's what most Heisman winners do. They run exactly. It but I'm still stuck on this Arizona game. Like, Why? <laughs> do you know no like skill players had over a hundred yards like in their category? Like no running backs had over a hundred rushing yards. That was an amazing Oregon defensive performance. Yeah, that's insane. Nick Aliotti, bringing. You know his brother is the dean of my high school. Okay. I just, Where that's... are we going? <laughs> I believe he was a quarterback for San Jose State. Aliotti, the brother oh well you know who was a quarterback for oregon yeah or for san jose State. oh <laughs> marcus royal oregon offensive coordinator marcus and he was Arroyo. that was the last time they played here right was marcus was the i know, think so yeah they played a surprising amount of times so i mean i'll have to look it up do you think san jose state scores more points than marcus arroyo's san jose state team put up how many is that i'd have i'm looking it up what's your guess how many did
1: San Jose... I mean, I don't know. That was in the 90s. 80s? 90s. Had to be 90s. Arroyo, well, it's not that old. Sorry, Arroyo. I didn't mean that. Yeah. Maybe. Come on. How many points? I have no clue how to look this up. It's on the game notes. that
2: they email out. My goodness. I'm not on that email list. You need to get on
1: that email list.
2: Okay, boys. Oregon favored by 41 right now. Do they cover it?
1: Well, hold on. Now I need to know how many points. <laughs> oh, God. Are on this thing this is hey, this is now important information okay, we are back. We have the numbers after some deep, deep dive into the depths of the internet. Thank you,
0: sports reference yes
1: fifty eight to three Marcus Arroyo led San Jose State scored three points on this Oregon defense. Do I think that San Jose State in 2018 comes into Austin and gets more than three points?
0: Yes. Okay, so they're not getting the or, shutout.
1: Two <laughs> safeties. <laughs> now, I don't think they're getting the shutout just because that's... Part of that's just, like, chance and, like, punting. And if the offense turns it over, yeah, like, that's not always on the defense a shutout. But I don't think they get the shutout. Do, does Oregon but,
0: score more than 58 points um, to cover the
1: spread? That leads perfectly into our prediction, which is not whether... Oregon will win or not, since we all believe that they will win, but whether they will cover. They're currently favored by 41 points. Yes, I think they cover. I think they win by more than 41.
0: Do they win by more than 55? That's not the cover. No, I'm saying that's what they won by in 1998. No, they don't win by more than 55.
2: They're putting in... In between 41 They're putting in and Burmeister
0: and Shuck before they get to 55. Okay.
2: What's I'm, your prediction? I
0: say they. um I'm gonna say they win 38 to six. No, forty, forty-five to six. Okay, so well, you have San Jose State covering. Yeah, I'm just because I know you guys aren't gonna say it, so I'll say they don't.
2: Okay. I, I think I think I was gonna be double advocate if needed, but I think Oregon. Guys, gonna be,
0: don't be double
1: advocate. I think at, Oregon. Imagine you're putting 100 bucks on this.
2: See, but I don't bet. Are so we? I'm saying that's Oregon why I covers. said
1: imagine. Sean's better than us. I mean, I don't bet either. Sean's holy.
2: No, I'm just too scared to lose. So, Oregon goes, covers it. I'd say, imagine
1: you're betting $100.
2: Okay, fine. I'm still going. Free tuition. Still going with the over. All right,
1: free tuition. Sean says Oregon covers.
2: Oregon covers? I don't think they do the 55. Free tuition.
0: Maverick? Maverick. I'm going to go with they win 45 to 6. Okay, perfect. Because I think they do exactly what you said. They're up. 45 to 6, and they just put in their backups, and I don't think they score. Fair enough. I mean, not because they're ineffective. I think, like, just like, why score type of, type of deal? Like they did against Bowling Green, or like, at the end, they're just like, eh. Nah. Just run the clock out.
1: Is that what happened over the headset? Hey, what should we do here?
0: Eh. <laughs> Oregon only beat UTEP by seven in 1998. I feel like that's a... At UTEP. Why did they travel to UTEP?
1: I don't know, dude. You should ask. Somebody who was on the team in 1997. Eight. 1998. You said 97.
0: 1998.
1: Well, that'll do it Win for the seven. Emerald Football Podcast this edition. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week to review whatever happens in the San Jose State game when Oregon wins 45-6, to according to Maverick. But really, we're going to spend most of our time previewing Stanford game, which and making signs for game day, which game day, if I had a completely uneducated guess, would be here uh, for the Stanford game because Stanford should be uh, UC Davis and Oregon should be San Jose State. Then it'll be a top 10 matchup, top 10 or top 10 Stanford, top 10 team versus Oregon, Oregon top 20 jumps team. Yeah, <laughs> 10 San, spots big win, San Jose big, State. big, huge win. Huge, you know, if they cover, that's huge. Um, <laughs> But thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. You can go to dailyemerald.com for more Oregon football coverage. You should check out all of our written work. Uh, I think it's pick up game days outside pick, the stadium. Pick up game days outside the stadium. They passed out. Um, uh, we have our picks, our Pac 12 picks in there. We have other good stories. We have a roster you can glance at in the middle of the game if you don't know who's who it's all good stuff you can listen to this podcast and other emerald podcasts wherever you get your podcasts that could be itunes soundcloud there's also a wonderfully organized bar on the side of the emerald.com where you can find it all with that for maverick and sean i am jack bowler and we will see you next week